Hello and welcome to the Euractive Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractive's Agri-Food News team. This week, what's going on with the institutional power balance and a trip to Ireland? So welcome back to the podcast and you were back with the OGs this week. Yeah, yeah. The originals. It's Gerardo Fortuna and seasoned Nata- agri-journalist <laughs> Natasha Foote. So seasoned. <laughs> if you get that reference, shout out yeah. to you. Seasoned and famous, we could say that. Well, hang on now. Hang on now. Yeah. Stop Can we that. say that someone Make me blush. Stop it. asked you to have a picture with you? Stop. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it happened to me. Like, no, okay, oh, this okay, is a bit of wanna... no, 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 mm-hmm. that what I thought it was about to happen, but actually it didn't happen because I was at the Agriculture Outlook. People in Brussels know that it's a bit of uh, the one of the most important yearly event in yeah. Brussels. And in, uh, in December, the commission is presenting this uh, Outlook mm-hmm. uh, and there were, there were some guys and they came to me with you the, were like, do you want my signature? The, <laughs> with the phone <laughs> in their hand asking for a picture and actually they wanted me to take a picture of, of oh that is so embarrassing yeah I'm it's so embarrassing, embarrassing. i know gosh <laughs> but, but then i would say ah no I, I was making a joke i thought you wanted a picture with me because they actually recognized my voice because of the podcast oh well there you go there you so, go so yeah it was it was it was half embarrassing <laughs> at least they know that uh, on the other side of the phone there was uh, sure. someone um, actually famous like uh, all right we need to stop we need to start with this but let's but it's actually a nice segue here because you're talking about one um big agricultural event but there was another one this week actually wasn't there that you attended yeah indeed the forum for the future of agriculture uh also known with the ffa ffa love yeah. a good acronym here yeah, yeah. and uh, even this year uh, like the past years there were also some uh, protests outside uh, because uh, there was a group of activists uh, trying to block the entrances of uh, of uh, to the premise premises in in the center of Brussels. Uh, they were denouncing the intense lobbying, you know, the greenwashing uh, during this event. This event that was is, is actually organized by Seed Giants in Genta, um, the European landowner, landowners organization, but also, for instance, uh, environmental group like the WWF. Yeah, big names going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking Other big of, names. Speaking of big names, yeah. um, there were um, both the Commission Vice President Franz Timmermans and the Environmental Commissioner uh, Virginius Sinkevicius. Mm. Which uh, makes sense because there's an increasing kind of environmental focus of the FFA, right? Yeah. Over the last few years, um, even more so, indeed, I would say. Indeed. Although there was one big name. Who wasn't there? Yeah, that wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, it was actually the Agriculture Commissioner, Janusz Wojciechowski. Mm. Um, it was also interesting uh, what Timmerman said, uh, because uh, uh, he basically, uh, he was delivering this speech, basically, yeah going after the agro-industry. He was saying that uh, money should be going in the pockets of farmers and in the pockets of uh, agro-industry. And there's a a new model. We should go toward a different model, which is not degrowth, but but, uh, embracing the opportunities in the future. But uh, the point is that maybe it's it's a topic that we can discuss for uh, a bit. Uh, There's a bit of a shift in the power balance of uh, in the new institution, no, we 
basically weekly reporting on clashes between, for instance, the Agriculture Committee and the Environmental Committee. Mm. But it's uh, it's a bit of a trend uh, that sees more and more involvement by, uh, for instance, uh, Tim- Timmermans is tasked with uh, delivering the Green Deal and Sinkevich is tasked with uh, uh, the, uh, his portfolio is basically on environmental aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they're both quite, uh, uh, you know, embedded in the current agricultural policy. But, uh, you know, I mean, if there's a commission for agriculture, there must be a reason, no? Well, you'd think, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true that it's an increasing theme that Commissioner Wojcicki is, is, well, not at these events for whatever reason. Um, you know, don't want to speculate too much there. Um, but... Does I mean it's something we've spoken about before, right? Like remember back at the presentation of the farm to fork strategy. Yeah, you remember Commissioner Wojciechowski w- wasn't present on that indeed, stage. Indeed, indeed. And so this is like an ongoing theme, but it's definitely something we're seeing increasingly, like an increasing sidelining um, as we're going towards the end of the finish line, basically for the for the mandate, um, like an increasing sidelining of the of the Agriculture Commissioner, which is yeah. an interesting thing to, to note. And there's been a number of sources, shall we say, <laughs> we've been having various conversations with various different people who are just ta- who are talking about the divisions in the commission and, you know, and the exactly what we're talking about here, how the, the agriculture commissioner um, kind of increasingly marginalised. Marginalised is a good yeah. word. Yeah, exactly. I mean, First consideration, the Agriculture Commissioner doesn't represent only himself, but also uh, the entire service. Uh, so the Director General of, uh, of uh, the famous DG Agri, mm. uh, which means that uh, um, it's not only some kind of marginalization of uh, of uh, the Commissioner, but also of DG Agri on certain file. Uh, mm. Those who read our brief, they know that we are... Um, we're reporting on this aspect, uh, which are basically um, more and more files in the EU policy debate are actually uh, managed, handled by environmental minister or uh, MEPs in the envi- Environment Committee. Yeah, the there's an committee. increasing overlapping between these two sides that just don't seem to be able to to talk <laughs> really well at all. I mean, one might say that did you agree? only deal with common agricultural policy at the moment, which is, again, a big part of the EU policy making when it comes to agriculture, but it's not the only one. Like, I mean, we've seen the clash on the Industrial Emission Directive, mm. which is something that's going to impact uh, uh, a huge uh, number of farms. And uh, and it's something that it's only, it's not really handled by, for instance, agriculture ministers or uh, MEPs who are supposed to deal with the agriculture files. Yeah, it's interesting. Is it increasingly beyond the reach of, um, and actually that links quite nicely to you, I'll do a little, a little plug here, that we're having uh, a Twitter chat in a yeah. few weeks' time. And the reason I'm mentioning this is that one of the questions is about the capacity, you know, people's views and thoughts on the capacity of the of the commission's DG Agri to handle the next cap reform, whether in, it's up to the task, whether we have to reconsider the organisation of the commission and, uh, you know, in, in maybe a different format, maybe a different 
DG even, you know, yeah, is, is, is yeah. this reaching the limits basically of uh, what DG Agri can do? We are actually pushing for this uh, DG food also because it's really close to Natasha's last name. It's going to be perfect for And we can do a lot of funds. Yeah? yeah, that is actually the main reason. Yeah, yeah. basically, basically. <laughs> but there are, uh, um, thanks for um, coming up with this um, mention to the Twitter chat. There are also very interesting uh, question. Uh, that we're asking it's uh, actually it's 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 in april so we, you still have time a few weeks yeah yeah a few weeks but for instance another point um there's a very good article by julia um on uh, our colleague julia of course um on um uh, what germany uh is pushing when it comes to this debate on the future of cap i know that we've just uh uh, I mean, the, the current cap just started in January, but we're still starting again the debate on how the next EU farming subsidy scheme will look like. Mm-hmm. And apparently this government, uh, the German government, seems to go to, let's say, move away from the direct payment system, system and having something like uh, giving money for uh, the you know if if farmers provide with certain uh, public goods, services, yeah, right. yeah. No, yeah. again or, like yeah. public public goods in the sense, for instance, uh, climate, environmental, uh, environmental um, aspects. So absolutely, stay in. Let's stay tuned. Stay for... tuned, yeah. Come and come and let your voice be heard on the Twitter chat. Come and join us to talk talk about this in a couple of weeks' time. But also, Natasha, you're kind of living the dream, no? Because at the beginning of the week, you were in Ireland, no? I was, yeah. yeah. I was. How and was it? Unbelievably beautiful. You're Ireland's basically amazing. the guest of this segment of the. <laughs> we do actually have a guest as well for the segment, Indeed. but um, but yeah, no, I I went to Ireland this week, which was um, yeah, really well. Firstly, such a beautiful country. I mean, rolling hills of green, so lovely. I haven't been to rural Ireland before. And actually, that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to go because obviously agriculture is such a, I mean, it's, it's a huge, a huge uh, topic in Ireland. Um, and it's very, very important to the country. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of bring, bring a bit of a perspective from Ireland. So I went to uh, this Feeding Ourselves gathering. I won't explain too much what it is. I will let um, Ollie, I'll let our guest explain uh, what this is about. So uh, I spoke to Ollie Moore, who is uh, editor-in-chief of ARC 2020, and also uh, he was heavily involved in the organisations of the gathering. So um, he can explain a little bit more about what this was. Yeah, so Feeding Ourselves came out of the fact that we set up a community-supported agriculture initiative here in Clot Jordan uh, 12, 13 years ago, and we wanted to sort of maybe introduce people to the idea of communities having a say in the farming that, and food that happens in their community, in their, in their locale. So we organized the gathering. We were surprised at how popular it was and we kept it going ever since. So we attract people from food cooperatives, from agroecological food production, citizens interested in good food and good farming, um, environmental activists, rural advocates. We attract these kind of people together to come to plan to talk about best practice, to talk about inspiring examples and to try and work together to sort of make a more agroecological sort of future. Yeah, so as Ollie was saying, you know, this gathers, um, this was a gathering of farmers, environmentalists, all different people around the food ecosystem um, to have talks about the, the future of sustainability in the sector. And it was a really interesting 
experience this weekend. I mean, it was I was there were so many knowledgeable people that were around, and I learned a lot of very interesting reflections about Ireland and the specific the specificities of you know the issues facing Ireland. And I think some of the main things, the main themes that kept coming up again and again um, was uh, the price of land. Yeah. Entry into farming because, you know, multiple farmers were telling me about how squeezed they are Mm. at the moment. And what was really interesting is they were explaining they're being squeezed on the one hand by the dairy sector Mm. that is expanding more and more. Now, the reason it's expanding or wanting to be, you know, expansive and take more land, a lot of it is to do with the nitrates directive Ah. because they don't want to reduce their herd. So the way to do it is to dilute the numbers with more farming right and obviously dairy is a very strong sector in ireland and also the price of milk has apparently skyrocketed in the last year or two um so they're in a very strong position so basically they are on the one hand they're offering maybe over and above the going rate of the you know to rent land to spread their herd so they keep the same amount of herd which is a really interesting side um yeah you actually see on the ground the impact of uh, the policy policy, yeah because i mean we speak of this obscure legislation sometimes but uh uh they've real like they i mean nitride directive is the one that is basically uh lead farmers to take over the (laughs) dash farming as well Uh, they didn't talk about this no several farmers said you know or, We've joined the Dutch army. No, well, they said, you know, this is you can push politics this way, you know. It's, it's very interesting to see the connections. Indeed. And, and obviously the Even German well. had some uh, yeah. some issue with the NATO directive uh, in the past. And uh, again, yeah. And also it's it, it's interesting because we often speak about commercial policy. There's a huge amount of other policies that uh, are worth uh, to follow. Eh? Yeah. But it's not just that side that they're being squeezed by. Another interesting, which again links to policy directly, is on the one hand, you know, you've got the dairy expanding and they've got the, the you know, they've got the money behind them to, to, to buy up this or to rent this land. But on the other hand, there's a lot of pressure coming from renewables, from mm. the renewable sector that are also wanting to rent or buy yeah. land. And this is squeezing... I mean, this is a common theme across the EU, but this is squeezing a lot of small farmers, especially market farmers, you know, um, uh, or new entries into farming. So any young farmers coming through, it's absolutely squeezing them, which means they can't access land. And I thought that, I mean, that was a theme that came up again and again, a really, really interesting, I'm sure it's not specific to Ireland, but, you know, that was was a key theme for for Ireland there. Um, Organic, another very interesting theme, because um, Ireland's actually one of the lowest Mm. Uh, EU countries for organic. I think it's hovers around. It's less than ten percent, definitely. It's you know in the single single figures there. Was a huge way to go if you want to get it up to the twenty five percent that the Commission's looking to to achieve. Um, there, there was uh, actually I'm doing some promotion here. There's a there's a video of this. Uh, yeah. That Natasha did. Uh, super interesting. There was this farmer from uh, uh, organic farmer from Ireland, yeah. and she was uh, speaking about. The percentage, you know, the EU is pushing um, toward this, you know, reaching the goal uh, at percentage, but in the in a certain sense, they haven't really, like from the EU side, they haven't really, um, let's say, taken care of the fact that you actually need to build the demand first. Yeah. So it's not only about reaching uh, a target, but it's also about creating the demand for these products, mm. uh, which is a bit lacking at the moment. So it's super interesting. I also suggest to, uh, to check out yeah, to watch the video. Definitely. There was one other thing that came through that was quite interesting, was about the preservation of some kind of traditional 
ways of production and crafts and creation. And they're talking specifically here about clothes. Mm. They're talking about, well, we shouldn't just talk about maybe like food sovereignty. We should also think about clothes sovereignty. And they were talking about hemp and the lack of support at the EU level. A lot of really interesting themes that were pulled out this weekend. I really got a lot from it. And in case you can't tell from my voice, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And the setting of the weekend was also pretty particular because it was on, uh, it was set on an eco village, mm. which was also a very interesting setup. And actually, um, I asked Ollie to explain a little bit more about what this eco village is. He actually lives there. Um, so here he is explaining a little bit more about the setup they have on the eco village. Clotrodon eco village is in Tipperary in the Midlands in Ireland. So it's right in the centre. It's 67 acres. Uh, one third is residential, one third is amenity, and um, one third is forestry. And we have a football pitch, we have our own heating system, we have a co-working space. There's 120 odd people living here in 53 housing units. Um, and it's where there's an amphitheater as well um, and allotments. And then over behind me here, there is the farm, Clotrodon Community Farm. So that's a big part of what happens here. It's the, one of the main things I'm involved in here in the Eco Village. And on the Eco Village, they also have a farm that has a particular, very particular setup. It's also a very successful one. So let's hear a little bit more about, about the farm. Yeah, so we're a member owned and operated as a farm. Um, that means the members have a real say in what happens. We kind of are a group of people who came together to, to get food produced in a better way. Some CSAs are farmer-led, um, others are consumer-led. We're kind of like a, a, a group of citizens who came together and wanted to do, do something like this in, in the place we were living. So. Yeah, and the, the system, we, you know, about a third of our money would come from the member subscriptions and then the rest uh, comes from some of the training schemes we're involved in and some of the um, advocacy work we do as well. So we bring lots of people from all around Europe here on one-year training schemes, uh, which adds a lot of life and vitality to, to the place. Lots of skills and they're, they're great people to, to have in our, in our orbit for the year. And... We also then do advocacy work on, on CSAs and the like. Uh, so, yeah, so it's quite a viable model. I mean, we pay the farmers properly and we train a lot of people and we produce tons of vegetables with food meters rather than food miles. So that's all from us today. And this week, like every week, the Euroactive Agri-Food podcast was put together by Euroactive's Agri-Food team. That's Natasha Foot and Gerardo Fortuna with the technical support of Ed Curie. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms that includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU from your Active's AgriFood team. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs>